Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and knowing how to respond to the question over the following weeks and months, I'll be taking a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of the show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I will also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. Let's talk with human trafficking awareness warrior and activist Chris Cavallero. Chris, so tell me, what do you do? The primary thing, I care about people. And where did that desire of helping others come from? I'm not sure. It may be genetic or it may be a case of seeing the after effects of people getting hurt in, in any way. Seeing the, the ripples in the pond after somebody's been wronged or injured and, and having it happen in various ways to myself too and knowing how that feels and just having that desire to help in any way I can if I can to prevent anybody else from having to feel that. And earlier on you were sharing with me about your grandfather and some of the experiences he had and you said that it's very much as though this desire to help is in the bloodline. Why do you do what you do? Do you feel it's almost like it was passed on from one generation to another? Or was it seeing the effect and the impact that your grandfather made? What drives you forward? It's a, it's a little bit of both. He lived in an area that was known for coal mining, and it was in the mountains. And one thing that he saw repeatedly happen was when the rain season came, the coal miners, being of low income and of low importance to society, they were put in the worst areas. So uh, when the heavy rain seasons would come along, they would often experience flash floods. And at times, these floods would wipe out the entire community, taking everything that the community had, their homes, their possessions, everything. And he would see the community distraught and the community would turn to the government and the government would shrug their shoulders. So it upset him to the degree that he spent 10 years of his life working in government and forming an organization that was an emergency management organization, which has now changed its name and is known as FEMA in the United States. So I, I believe I share his passion and not wanting to see the suffering, if it's avoidable. And I appreciate that because I think of so many countries in the third world, like in Asia and parts of Africa, 
where they do have situations of natural disasters, tsunamis, floods. And the sad reality is in parts of the world, they don't necessarily have such a good and strong system as you would have in the United States or right here in the UK. What do you plan to accomplish? What do you see the future holds for yourself and for the charitable things that you're doing? What do you see for the future and what are your plans? What would you like to have accomplished? My number one goal is raising awareness. I believe that, especially when it comes to those who are being taken advantage of, whether it's through pedophilia, to me, I see in these circumstances that children generally are not able to fend for themselves. They're not able to defend themselves, and they haven't even reached, in most cases, the ability to discern the difference between right and wrong. So they're scooped up and taken advantage of, I'd say, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. And then with on the human trafficking aspect, I, I see people taken advantage of by force, by manipulation, uh, blackmail, things along these lines. So I, I kind of see myself, if I make no difference at all, sometimes I think if I make the difference in one person's life, anything that I do is worth it. If I make a difference in people's lives, I've doubled the good in the world, in a sense. So that's really the minimum of what I hope to accomplish in anything I do is, if nothing else, raise awareness and make a difference in at least one person's life. And how exactly do you go about raising awareness? Well, on these subjects, I think the more painful and truthful that a subject is, I think the less people are willing to admit it exists. And I think the evil factions in the world, if you will, I look at these things from a spiritual approach or a Christian approach. I, I think they take advantage of these fears. So if, if people are afraid to talk about it, it kind of like widens the playing field for those who want to do wrong because they know that people are too afraid to address it. So one of my main objectives is to expose my group as the word expose, and it is to expose these things because it's a lot like a film negative. When you expose it to the light, it can no longer serve its purpose. What do you think would be one of the solutions with regards to bringing an end to exploitation? That's trafficking and abuse, what do you think is the solution? I don't think that there's any one solution. I've seen, let's say, with pedophilia, I've seen one state in the United States propose the concept of chemical castration for those found guilty. And 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 I, is that too extreme? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not killing the person, and I often think of things like capital punishment you know, is that too extreme? And I try to look back on history and see how that's played a role. And when is it too much of an extreme? So in my mind, in a perfect world, such punishments would be allowable, but have a window of forgiveness in place. You know, allow the person to get right, if you will, before action is taken. 
any of it? Do you go through penalties? Do you go through prevention? It's kind of hard to prevent something that people aren't aware is happening. So I believe that we're in a huge spiritual battle with a lot of these topics a lot of the time. And to some degree, it has to play out. To another degree, the awareness has to reach a level that change occurs. And I, I think a little bit, as in relation to other subjects, that it's a, it's a case of morality being lost. And especially with the liberal proponents of the world today, they want to denounce morality and make a proclamation of a new, like, self-created liberty. But what they lose is their spiritual grounding in the process. And over time, as the spiritual grounding gets lost, the things that we hate to see in life, they increase. But the, the people are under the delusion, let's say the perpetrators are under the delusion that the steps that they're taking are benefiting mankind and creating like an awakening and an elevation of mankind. But the reality is things get worse. With regards to the chemical castration or even the death penalty, the question that I have is, do you think that in an ideal world, if that existed, would it solve the problem? Because from my perspective, I believe that even if a person was chemically castrated, if they have a sexual deviance towards children, even if they can no longer perpetrate rape or sexual assault against a child, that doesn't mean to say that they wouldn't view pornography or distribute pornography or make pornography. And so I think that sometimes, like, for example, in the Philippines, the president there shoots drug addicts. And I personally don't agree with that at all. For me, I believe you need to try to understand why these people are taking drugs, selling drugs, distributing. So in relation to, let's say, a pedophile or a trafficker, do you think that, let's say, if there was a new law enacted and the president said every individual who watches porn, distributes porn, creates porn in relation to children being exploited or sexually abused as a child, do you think that if the penalty for such offence was chemical castration or the death penalty, do you think that would stop exploitation? I do not. I don't think that any one thing could. I think that the best you could hope for is deterrence. In the United States, if I can touch on another subject, there are many people who believe that... Uh, Penalties. Well, let's say that they believe that uh, the answer to gun violence is remove all guns. But you have two words, gun and violence. If you remove the word gun, the word violence remains. So if they took them all away, as I've seen in the UK, especially in London, if these were if firearms were taken away. People resort to the next thing they can, whether it be knives, uh, acid, broken glass, rocks. It, so the violence remains. So they did not solve the problem. So I, I, I think the problem is deeper than that. And I don't think that, if we can just relate these two together, if, I don't think the, the time.
society is awakened enough or elevated enough to handle such an ideal. So I, I really think it needs to be approached from all sides, and I believe that the foundation of a human being starts to change. Like, bring God back into people's lives, and what grows and stems from that in their future is an improvement on mankind together. But, you know, it, it's not perfect. We're in the world, and the world's not perfect. So the, the best I can hope for, like I say, is it'll be a great accomplishment to make a difference in one person's life. And actually, I do agree with you that when it comes to violence, as we have here in the UK, we don't have guns, but we do have a knife crime issue. But then, as I was just discussing with somebody quite recently, that, for example, when it comes to weapons such as knives, it requires close contact. Whereas if there are guns and a person shoots the gun wildly, you may have a lot of innocent bystanders who get hit by one of those bullets. Whereas typically with knife crime, it's very close contact. But of course, as you rightly said, the violence still remains. And so it's like, what is the the correct way to respond to gun violence in the U.S.? And that's a very, very right. good question. And I don't have an answer to that. Well, speaking just on the violence as it applies just to guns, if we look at the U.K. and you're speaking of close contact, but the point was that the violence remains. And if someone wanted to take out multiple people, you have suicide bombers, you know, is suicide bombing against the law? Of course it is. Do people still do it? They do. Someone could do a mass poisoning, you know, that exists. So still the underlying thing is violence. And in my mind, that always looks back at a spiritual condition or spiritual warfare. So what, you know, if I look biblically lightly at this, some people say that you shouldn't fight, but even God's angels fought. So if God, if it was good enough for God's angels to pick up and fight, it's good enough for me to follow that example and fight in the way that I can. And in my particular way, at least in this phase, is to raise awareness. And it's interesting because I've noticed that you've mentioned quite frequently about there being a spiritual element and from what you're sharing, it seems that you do have a faith in God. Can you share some more about your personal faith and in relation to the spiritual element that you made reference to? My personal faith was neutral. I never doubted during my childhood and my adolescence. But when I reached adulthood, my life experience was circling the drain, if you will. And my father pulled me away to someone who was his spiritual leader, someone who I had rejected or ignored previously, and he insisted I go see her. And not knowing me, she sat me down. She agreed to meet with me. She sat me down. And not knowing me or my history, she sat down and told me the highlights that were leading to this downfall. And she was dead on. And her faith was intense in God, and she invited me to travel and to help her move to Central America to open a research center. So I agreed, and I dropped everything and went with her. And when I saw her examples of having faith in God, I, 
I tried my first little reach out to establish such a faith, and I had quite an interesting result. And that kind of changed this for me. And then from from that point on, I've seen more increasing clarity on the decisions when there's a fork in the road, a spiritual fork in the road. I've seen when someone chooses to go to the left or to the right, you know, what happens to their life. And usually, let's if they take the wrong fork in the road, it, it's usually attractive in the beginning or something that seems like it would be the right one but as they go down that road it's increased pain and destructive so very fortunate to have met her because you know she nudged me over and through time it's been a little bit of a struggle but i've run into some amazing people along the way and That's inspiring. And you were mentioning about the spiritual element of some of these issues. What exactly do you mean by that? My personal belief is that above us all in the super above supernatural realm exists powers over us. And I really believe that they only are for or against good. And I believe it's a constant battle. I've actually known those who have experienced or witnessed spiritual influence on the bad and the good side. And the majority of the people aren't awake enough or in touch enough to realize that these influences are guiding their life. So it's not just a case of me, the person speaking with you right now. It's like a collection of the spiritual nudgings, what I call sometimes the screaming whisper. Whether it's guardian angels or angelic influence or Holy Spirit or simplistic an illustration as those talks about the angel and the devil on the shoulder, I believe and I know those who have witnessed the supernatural influence. And it's not about me. I'm not the great. I am. I, I'm not the one fully guiding and in charge of my life. I have a spiritual guiding and responsibility, a spiritual connection. So, in the spiritual aspect, I know those who have directly witnessed negative spiritual influence causing violence or disruption with a, within a person who was previously not violent. So that's a little bit of an extreme example, but I believe the majority of the time that these things are in nudges and whispers. And I do believe, even if you go back to the idea of possession, or there are biblical examples of that, that many times people are guided into this negative and destructive pattern by something that started spiritually. So sometimes I believe that there may be a salvation for these people. And there may be, you know, they say you can't change a leopard's spot, but you could skin the leopard. It's interesting you say that because in one of my podcasts, I actually make the statement 
that although we say a leopard cannot change its spots, I believe that it is possible. And I say that with cosmetic surgery, a leopard's spots can change. And I don't mean that the change is plastic or superficial. The point I'm trying to make is that change is indeed possible, but it takes time and it requires work. And for those of us who maybe do have some dysfunctions, I mean, we all do, but maybe it's therapy, maybe it's counseling, maybe it's anger management courses. But for us to be able to be transformed, it requires work, it requires time, possibly healing, it's possibly painful. And so I think that sometimes we're so fixated on what we've heard, this person cannot change or that person has never changed. And so sometimes we as people focus on all the negatives instead of the few success stories of how a person behaved in one way and by the power of God or the Holy Spirit or just through transforming their lives through positive influences, they become somebody completely different. I think that's really amazing. And I'm sure that those who've listened and have heard the previous podcast will really appreciate your perspective, especially even on the topic of guns, which would be great to pick up at a, a later point, because I feel that us over in the UK, we don't understand the issue of gun violence because we live in a society where that isn't a problem. So it's very hard to understand what it's like when the shoe is on the other foot. I realize obviously time is very short and I'm very grateful for you being here today. Was there anything that you wanted to to say to the listeners, maybe give your information about your Facebook groups, any last words so that people hearing this, we have listeners in Trinidad, Tobago, India, the Philippines, Indonesia, and right here in the UK and some in the US. Is there anything you want to say or last words? Yes, although I have not partaken in the things that I'm passionate for in this instance, I as a human have transformed. And it usually was a matter of starting with prayer, having faith, and then at some point somebody else points out the change that's occurred. And I was once told that the difference between darkness and light, if you stand in a full stadium, If you stand in center field in a stadium in the daytime and you create darkness by cupping your hands together, that darkness can be seen by nobody. If you stand in that same field at night, the power of light, if you're standing in the field at night in a stadium and it's totally dark and you light a single match, that one match can be seen by 50,000 people. So the light always overtakes the darkness. That's amazing. And I think that's a really very positive note. And I certainly appreciate you giving me your time. We're doing this via WhatsApp. So I'm very grateful despite some technical difficulties. And with regards to your groups, would you like to share your Facebook information in case anyone would be interested in joining, learning more about this issue and the awareness that you're raising? Yes. And let me say that I've had a very difficult time maintaining the group and Facebook because they tend to support pedophilia circles and they censor any group that's against. So I actually had to remove the pedophilia word and uh, the group is hashtag uh, P-H-T-E and it's Head and Human Trafficking Exposed. And the same group can be, it's backed up on MeWe the other social group that doesn't tend to censor as much, and under there it's the same hashtag followed by pedophilia and human trafficking exposed. Great. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that today's conversation and information has been useful. It has given you some things to think about and consider. I believe we all need knowledge and education. And when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another. And this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changing CASES.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. Together we can be stronger so we can talk about it.